You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. My guest today, Dr. Cami Benton, MD, is back for what I am sure will be another informative, fun conversation. How about a quick, re- just a quick review of Cami's background since she's been on several times already. When Dr. Benton was working in a group practice, she realized there must be more to medicine as she felt she was just doling out pills for symptoms. The list of pills were growing to cover up the side effects of other pills. So in 2013, she became board certified in holistic and integrative medicine. For her specialty under the holistic umbrella, she started her functional medicine path and became certified in functional medicine. Now, for those of you who don't know, functional medicine searches for the root cause of disease and determines a solution by looking at all the systems in a person using the latest science available. Hi, Cami. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back. It's always fun to be here. I know. Well, as usual, we've had a great little conversation before turning the recorder on. So... (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, we haven't been on for a while, and it's probably time to get an update. You were working on, and I I understand you're still working on, an integrative wellness center right? Um, called Compass. Is it still called Compass? Yes. Okay. Compass. Yeah. And, you know, things have been rolling along with the uh, jab, the bioweapon, the vaccine, whatever you want to call it. I thought I'd really like to get your your perspective. I thought, let's get Cammie's perspective on where we're at right now and where we're going and how she sees all of this. So take it away, my dear. Well, let's talk about the fun part first. Oh, goody. Um, <laughs> the Compass Integrative Health. It's, um, you know, I had of, of my personal business, Benton Integrative Medicines, the, the direct primary care business, you know, that's my side business. And I've kind of okay. dug into the business of that. We had an overhaul. So I kind of had to take a little time away from working on the hospital. It's interesting prior to that time that I recognized that there were some issues I had to fix, I had all this stuff coming to me, you know, like God was sending me all the right people. And then suddenly it stopped. And it was as I was digging in to the business, I'm like, okay, it's interesting. And then once I kind of fixed some of the major issues there, then suddenly God started bringing people back. Because oh, uh, he's like, you know, I'm not going to bring anyone until you fix this first. So fantastic <laughs> to see how that works. Well, Cammy, that's when we talked last. That's what was happening. Now, I, I you just brought that back to mind that um, all of these people were just like falling in your path that right. were necessary to help you f- fulfill your dreams. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, we have some business people helping me that had come in originally to to, I guess, study my business uh, so they could use some of those principles for the hospital. And they're the ones who helped me figure out some of the issues that were happening. But they literally afterwards, they're like, we really believe in this. And we're going to like, like donate some of our time to make sure that we get this on track because this is important for the new medical system. And so here they are, they felt like angels talking to me, you know, Mm -hmm. as they were talking to me. But then um, my fiance, Kyle, was found someone who is, she's really pretty much a, a professional fundraiser, but she has a, a contact that's a multi-billionaire who happens to be like wanting to invest into women-led businesses, creating the new earth. Hello. Wow. Especially in a medical, right? like me, me, me. And then it was, then it was interesting. She met uh, an RN just a few days before she met us or actually after us, she met an RN named Rita who is actually helping with, there is another integrative center up in Connecticut at a hospital. And she's been helping to grow that up there, working with physicians and nurses and changing the mindset in the approach to patients, because that's what we're all experiencing is this toxic mindset. You know, doctors doctors and nurses are just pushed to the point past compassion. And she's trying to bring the compassion back, but also create this medical center up there. So now she's interested in ours, but the really cool thing uh, there's some really cool things. So she is a minister um, and very spiritual. She's also medium. And she mm-hmm. said that for the last year, she keeps seeing a compass in her vision. <laughs> and she said she didn't know what it meant. She just kept seeing this compass. And as soon as she met Brandy, our contact, she said, suddenly the compass started moving. And then when oh, wow. she met us, 
uh, and we happened to tell her the name at the hospital, she about fell out of her chair. Oh, <laughs> wow. Like, I love it. Oh, my gosh. This is the compass. And the other thing is that she said that she kept seeing a redheaded architect and for the last half a year, about six months, and she kept telling her family and friends, she's like, if y'all meet a redheaded architect, suppose <laughs> I'm, I need to meet him. And then our architect that came, you know, and and I'll tell the readers, the listeners in a second, but, you know, our architect is a redheaded architect. <laughs> of course. And it was like all oh, this beautiful synchronicity. So we're meeting together um, soon to like start moving forward and she's going to help us get the money, but the, uh, which we need to raise $22 million. Wow. And so we need investors, but we also need, uh, people donating for the nonprofit arm because we want this to be a center, not just for the elite or for the wealthy that we want this to really be part of the new earth where everyone gets like compassionate medical care. Mm-hmm. But the part about the architect that other people might not have heard before is that when we decided to open up the, uh, this integrative, center, you know, you know, I had a classmate of mine wish death upon the unvaccinated. And that was on a Saturday. And then by Monday, and this was like, we've got to open up our own center. And so Monday morning, the architect calls, I didn't know he was an architect and he didn't know what I was doing. He just called wanting to have lunch with me. So when he met with me in the office and he says, you know, my labs are good and I'm healthy. I don't know why I'm here. And I, you know, I was like, he's, I just want to talk to you about COVID and say, well, this is my thing about COVID. I was like all fired up. I was like, we're going to build our own medical center. And he's like, oh my gosh, all I do is build hospitals across, you know, North and South America. <laughs> you know, it's been like that kind of thing. So this is where it's something whose time has come. It's just a matter of like keeping my heart space open and clear of the chaos to allow it to come in. And so it's been just a real blessing to see all these things fall into place. And so we know what's going to happen. What's different about this is that it's going to be a center, not just for the wellness kind of thing. So there's wellness places across the country, which is a blessing to watch that trend. Mm-hmm. But we need a place for really sick people, too. So right. like during the, during the pandemic, when people are dying alone and being mistreated in the hospitals, we don't have a good integrative center for sicker people. So we want to have like the birthing center and urgent care that's integrated. Like, for instance, you break a bone. OK, so you need a cast. But we can also use homeopathics or PEMF or, you know, other things to help stimulate healing. So Mm -hmm. the goal is to do truly integrative medicine from the birth up to like urgent cares to emergency room, inpatient care, and then also have like the sort of the biohacking wellness center. So people can get their, you know, anti-aging kind of modalities there. And so we can actually share between the sick people and the well people so it can help fund each other. So and then while paying attention to the, you know, environmental impacts and, and creating gardens and to create uh, local food for the hospital, for the patients that are in there. So we can have like local schools participating and to really involve the community. It's going to be a, a community built integrative hospital for us, by us. And so the goal is to create, um, looking for in, in the newer insurance models and how do we fund this and how do we help people pay for it? You know, because we can't use Medicare or Medicaid mm-hmm, uh, right. because they're the yeah. ones who are creating the egregious <laughs> laws that are keeping us from wellness. And, and a lot of the insurance companies are tied to the Medicare guidelines. And so this is why we, we are looking for all people's ideas to help us build a sustainable system that is able to pay everyone because everyone has to be paid. It, it's an even exchange of money, but we don't want it to be like, once you cut out the extreme overhead of corporate medicine, you're able to like lower the prices dramatically. So it's not, you're not breaking the bank, mm-hmm. you know, yep. just to get mm-hmm. a simple gallbladder surgery or a simple C-section. Cause when I started my first child it was 13,000 for a C-section, you buy wow. five years later for my third child, I had a C-section. It was uh, $23,000. What? Yes. Oh, just in, just geez. in five years. And I was a healthy, uncomplicated person that, of course, that's another story why I end up with C-sections, but that's a whole other topic. I know. But, I think we have talked about that before. Right. I will put in the show notes the um, links to our past conversations in case people would you know, like to uh, listen to some of our other conversations. Well, you know, Cammie, what's so fascinating to me <laughs> is because I didn't even think of the, I mean, I've had, you know, when we were talking before, I've had this dream of having like this wellness center, but more, mine would be frequency medicine, you know, working with frequencies, working with, um, you know, scalar waves, that kind of thing. And that's the future of medicine. Yeah. And I want it in 
I, I've already know where I want it. I want it in um, the Yucatan. And I've even talked to a, a real estate agent who just there who just loves my idea. Now, how it's going to happen, I don't know. But um, I haven't been using the tarot lately. I've been using these Russian uh, gypsy cards. They're so accurate. It's really amazing. And every time I do a reading once a month, and I ask, you know, what what's what's up for the the month? What can I expect? And I keep getting that it's going to happen. This is my dream, and it's going to happen. It's just going to take time. And um, I'm like, okay, you know, how about sooner rather than later? <laughs> right. That's what we got to remember. Is is God's time or the universe's time, not our time? And yep. that's what I've. Had. I am patient. I'm like, oh, let's just, I want the the urgent care opened up in the first year. And, you know, I was just ready to go out. And then I'm like, uh, no, it's, I've got to, and that's, that's where we're trying to balance the masculine and the feminine, right? Where, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a doer and I want to make it happen, Me but too. Yeah. I got to wait and receive. And, and it's trying to find that balance of trust and leaving myself open. So it shouldn't be such an effort. Like when the new earth is part of uh, things being, less painful to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what I'm trying to be patient for and teach myself. I'm like surrendering the whole surrender to like God using his plan and me trusting his plan over my own. So yeah, I hear you. And you're, you have a lot more time than I do. You know, because I keep thinking, how much, how much longer, and am I going to have energy to do this project? Right? Because I'll be, well, I'll be seventy three this month. So, um, you know, it's like ah, <laughs> I want to get going. It's see, I have three kids who are on like travel teams at this point, so I'm like wondering how much time I have to like <laughs> to do it all too. But I'm going to trust. But that's that's like some yeah. of the fun stuff that we're working on. Some of the um, interesting things about what's happening in the world today, you know, there's so many moving parts and, you know, part of my year of this, this really, this painful, even through my own business is, is the, it's the death of everything that we know and mm-hmm. rebirth of the things that are to come. And, and because if you really, I, the best medicine for everyone is turn off the TV. So thankfully I don't know everything that's going on because it's just a nightmare or just the, the heaviness and the density of the energy of people's behaviors. But, you know, we're looking at the whole COVID narrative thing and, and I'm seeing very good signs of it cracking apart. You're starting to see interviews of, you know, Pfizer saying, Oh yeah, we never did test for the transmission. We just had to do it at the speed of science. What is the the speed speed of science science, anyway? (laughs) So it was just like, basically they admitted we cut a lot of corners because we just had to, we had to get it out there. And, um, but yeah, we didn't really test transmission and yet you're seeing Biden and Lewinsky said, if you get the vaccine, it stops with you. Meanwhile, they are four and five doses later, still getting COVID taking Paxlovid their approved treatment with getting rebound COVID. Pretty much everyone who I know that takes Paxlovid gets rebound COVID. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting that I, you know, you, this is where it takes away from the idea that, you know, people's like, oh no, they didn't, you know, they didn't get the vaccine. Well, that's, I, okay. I was going to ask you that. Cause I know some of, you know, like the major politicians, um, it's my understanding Trudeau and some, or some, you know, some of these people are not getting I believe that. Yeah. So, but, but it makes me like, I was wondering like, well, and some of these people don't, I mean, I'm assuming they know what's going on. Are they really getting it? What? Well, I would think think that if they were taking Paxlova, would they admit they're getting the reinfection? I mean, I don't know. It just none of it makes sense to me, but yeah, they're still pushing the same narrative in spite of their four to five doses later. And, and even, it doesn't even make sense for like, let's say Walensky to take Paxlovid. Anyway, none of them are following any kind of scientific protocol that's worth anything. It's all pure propaganda. Uh, and, and, you know, with the Pfizer data being released, I mean, when, when you look at the Pfizer data, there's some great videos, uh, that was made by a PhD MD and it was fantastic. And he, he went into just the Pfizer data about, and, and just so readers know, uh, say readers, listeners know, <laughs> we still don't know like the data on Moderna. Like they have not even released their data, but Pfizer in order for them to get quote approved, even though it was another brand that got approved. That's not, it's so confusing. The Comirnaty was approved, but yet that brand is not approved here. It's like this weird roundabout way of them getting approved, but then they had to release the data. And then they tried to hold their data 
and backed by the FDA to hold it for 75 years. That's so outrageous. There's something else right now that they're trying to uh, what what was it? Oh, somebody's laptop. They don't they don't want to release the information for sixty five years. I mean, what? Jeez, oh, right? I don't know. I just okay. So, Cami, the the video that you were just saying um, is is that something that you could find the link to and send it to me so I could put it in the notes? It is fantastic because he really does a great job of even he says in there he's like. The anti-vaxxers misuse, which I don't like the word anti-vaxxer because I think it's just a CIA control term. But yep. he even, he's trying to be fair. He says, you know, the anti-vaxxers misuse the statistics this way and the CDC and the government's misusing the statistics this way. So he's trying to be as fair as possible. But he goes into the actual data of Pfizer and VAERS and sort of the inconsistencies that the people with the narrative are using. And, and it's beautifully done. And they're, they're relatively short videos or two 30-minute videos that okay. I think is everyone listening to. But for instance, there were like 1,200 deaths in the Pfizer data trials just in 90 days. And yet they didn't, <laughs> yet you heard everyone saying there's not been a death at all. There's zero. <laughs> and then, you know, to find out you have to harm well over 200 patients, serious harm to prevent one hospitalization of COVID, not death, one hospitalization of COVID. Now you're like, wait a second. And then you find out that indeed the vaccinated group has high, like a 23% higher death rate compared to the unvaccinated group. It might not have been due to COVID, but we're killing them with strokes and heart attacks and blood clots, mm-hmm. you know, sudden death. And so they have a significant increase. And then you read about the, you know, the insurance data, you know, the, the life insurance where they're like, at, at like a history time high, like a 40% increase of, you know, excess death rates. And this is, and then you have in Scotland, you know, the, they're talking about the data in like for newborns that they found some increased death rates of newborns and they were calling yeah. them is interesting. So, and I'll, I'll see if I can find that video too and send it to you. So okay. they, they had these death spikes for babies, but it turned out that they were actually classifying those as stillbirths. Because if they were born alive and then died, then that would be in the coroner's field to have to actually figure out. Because oh. they still birth, the coroner is not included, right? And oh, then- I was wondering about that because I had read something about that, but I didn't understand. Okay, so a stillbirth then isn't uh, isn't considered. Well, then they yeah. don't have to have a cause of death or. They don't have to have a cause of death. Mm. So the Scottish government was like, "There's, no, we're not even going to look into the vaccination as a cause because we don't want to increase vaccine hesitancy. They basically openly stated that. So when you're having all these increased death rates and, and you look at the, the athletes dropping dead across oh my God. the world and like is zip from zilch from the governments or you know, pharmaceutical companies, but we're like, wait a second, all these young people are dying and we want to know why. And you're seeing these excess death rates, but it's only us talking about it. So we like, it's like we live literally in the alternate universe. And meanwhile, censorship is still happening, you know, in social media and doctors <sighs> are still threatened. You look at McCullough, who mm-hmm. is a hero, who he was the most published cardiologist really in American history and now has been stripped all of his board certifications, his titles as editor um, of prestigious journals. And he still has his license, I think, but not. Yes, he said, I, I listened to him yesterday. He said he did still have his license. And just so everyone knows, he was very pro-vaccine in the beginning. Right. You know, and, and he had the, the authenticity and, you know, to, as he got more information and started really digging down in, uh, changed his mind. And I don't know how he feels about all vaccines, but it does seem like a lot of the MDs um, who were even pro just, you know, the childhood vaccines and pro influenza vaccine are now have t- done a 180 on all of that now yeah. that they've really been researching. Right. It's beautiful. And I remember saying at the beginning of the pandemic, if one good thing comes out of this is that the COVID vaccine is going to wake us all up. Mm-hmm. But once they see that, because even Malone, he's like, oh, but the childhood vaccines are great because I'm, you know, I'm a, a founding board member of Physicians for Informed Consent. And so we were trying to get them on board. They're like, oh, no, 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 we're for the childhood vaccines. Don't get us wrong. And then now you're suddenly hearing them like, 
well, we're starting to see some cracks even there. So it's, it's, it's just, you know, they're falling down the rabbit holes, very important people, you know, and they, the government and farmers doing their best to destroy them, but they have created such a following and I'm so proud of them and their, their bravery. And I mean, they are just, woo. I know. Pure. I, I agree. And I'm so sick and tired of all of this, their controlled opposition. No, regardless of what's happened in, in the past, we, what we have to do is look at what they're saying and what they're doing right now. Right. Because as you, you know, an intelligent person, as they get more information, they integrate that. And if it happens to not agree with what you thought was truth, um, but you're still willing to do that, then, you know, that's, that's a person that you want to listen to. And look at Lee Merritt. I assume you know who she is. I I love uh, her, but she's she was. Do you know who she is? Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. So I love the five docs. That's one of my favorite things to listen to every month because she's on the five docs with Christian Northrup, uh, Sherry Tenpenny, uh, Carrie Madey, and Larry Paul. I can always have a hard time. Pawlowski. Yeah. It, you know, she was very pro all of this, and now um, she has done such a one eighty. I mean, she is. She's been talking about. Uh, parasites lately um, as being a, a very strong possibility of causing cancer. And, you know, you look at all the drugs that they didn't want anyone to use for COVID, right, uh, are all <clears throat> anti-parasitics. Um, who knows? I, I mean, it's my understanding that when kids who lived on a farm, they used to get wormed just like the animals. If you have dogs and cats and heck, I take when I take a nap, my dog's on the bed, one of my cats is on the bed, I have a little banty hen that's 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 napping with me. I probably have parasites, you know. So I've been doing a well, I read this Argentinian doctor said every three to five days to do uh one mil of ivermectin per 100 pounds body weight and um, to do, I'm not sure for how long, maybe you would know, but so that you're also getting the eggs and stuff and, and getting rid of the parasites and seeing how that helps you. And I have to say it, it's kind of um, like nothing really like a specific, but I feel better. I've only done it three times now. So I've seen pretty impressive, you know, results from, from people, from other illnesses. Like, you know, I had a, I had a 90, like almost a, I guess how was 86 year old patient who had uh, emphysema and dementia and her emphysema and her dementia actually improved after COVID when I gave her ivermectin. Wow. Does it need oxygen a year later? Like, Oh crap. Maybe, <laughs> maybe she has some parasites that we actually treated and she just can breathe better. Oh, that's so awesome. Wow. Right. So it's, there's stories like that across the country. So there are, so yeah, there are some amazing doctors doing amazing things, but there's also still like real persecution. So I'm still mm, waiting mm-hmm. enough to hear from the medical board um, over, it's kind of interesting that we got reported by two pharmacists and one pro vaccine activist from California. And uh, we had no deaths in my actual clinic. There was one death of a woman who was a one-time visit uh, but all those cases got cleared, but yet they're still broadening the investigation, trying to find something on us. Oh, and, uh, and of course I'm sending them prayers. I'm saying Ho'oponopono prayers mm-hmm. for them. And, mm-hmm. You know, they're doing, they're doing the best. They, they are fulfilling their role in this lifetime that they need to fulfill. And so I'm just sending them love. And I just have faith that God put me here for a reason anyway, for this, that whatever mm-hmm. it is, is going to happen. I'm going to be fine. But you know, there was, there was a PA, I don't know his name, but I had, um, Someone tell me about him from out west. I think it was Washington State. Okay. He, he treated COVID patients from home and at home. Mm-hmm. And he got in trouble for not treating them at home because that means if they needed treatment, they must have been severe enough. They should have been in the hospital because there is no such thing as early treatment, right? So <laughs> because he lost the case, he when you lose the case as a doctor, um, oftentimes for the medical board, you have to pay back their costs. Oh, so they have financial incentive to make sure you lose the case. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So he had to pay back $30,000 to the medical board and lost his license. That means, hello, $30,000 and you have mm-hmm. no job to pay for it. And then they offered him, they said, if you, um, 
admit yourself to this hospital, this psychiatric hospital in this other state, I think is Illinois, and see our psychiatrist of choice, we may be willing to reinstate your license. Hello, reprogramming. Wow. It's hard to believe. Assholes. I, I'm sorry. That just, I won't even really say what I'm thinking. That's <laughs> this is 1984. This is so Orwellian. And then you see like Meryl Nass, same thing in Maine. Like she, now she got in trouble for, she's fantastic. She's a brilliant, brilliant doctor who, um, she's nationally known as a, as a bioweapon terror, like a, like an expert. So she would actually testify about bioweapons. And so when all this stuff went down, she started really fighting for treatment, you know, for COVID early mm-hmm. on. And with a pharmacist one time, she, you started having to write your diagnosis on the prescription. That was their way of trying to stop us. And so the mm. pharmacist questioned her. And so she's like, it doesn't matter. They've got COVID, but I've got to put something on here, but I've got to save this patient. That pharmacist turned her in for lying. So officially, okay, she did lie or falsify something, but you know, our hands are tied when you're trying to treat patients. And the next thing you know, she has her license revoked. And then they also say, I remember reading an article saying she was psychiatrically unstable, which is ridiculous. So they're actually starting to call us psychiatrically unstable to create a narrative out there for the mass that actually are still watching the news. Like, so the people who believe that this is not a manufactured bioweapon, the people who believe that, you know, treating with ivermectin is so dangerous, even though ivermectin is safer than Tylenol, Mm -hmm. for people than Tylenol, it has so many, it has over 20 mechanisms, well over 20 mechanisms of action that benefit cancers, um, of course, parasites, viral infections, like, and the studies for coronavirus were even prior to COVID. Like we had positive studies for antiviral effect prior to the pandemic. So, and then now we have well over 60, you know, trials worldwide that show like dramatic decrease in death, you know, using ivermectin, but yet the mainstream media still paints it as a dangerous horse dewormer. And you can take the horse paste, by the way. <laughs> it's you. It's just uh, you have to. In fact, I when I uh, I just bought some, and I noticed there were several different varieties, and some had other drugs in them. But obviously, I picked the one that didn't have other drugs in them. But you take like a pea size of of the horse paste. I, I want uh, the listeners to know too. There's a website called DirtRoadDiscussions.com. And it's it's one hundred percent all about ivermectin and people's um, uh, people's experiences using ivermectin. It's it's a really good site. So if people are interested in learning more about ivermectin, dirtroaddiscussions.com is a really good place to go. So yeah, so that's so it's interesting seeing the continued persecution of doctors while. They're admitting now, yes, it doesn't decrease transmission, hospitalization. And I think early on, it did seem to, for the earlier strains, it did seem to decrease hospitalizations for, for, but it was also very tricky when you look at the statistics, because if they would count people who had had two vaccines, but it was under 14 days, Mm -hmm. they still counted you as unvaccinated. Right. Uh, so there was a lot of questionable statistics being given at that time, but also that the, the doctor that's in those videos that I'll send you, he goes in the idea that even some of the data that they're using to justify that is more unvaccinated in the hospital, they actually went, they included data that was prior to the release of the vaccine mm-hmm. who like pad their data towards the unvaccinated being you know hospitalized where the peaks were more where there were no vaccines available or minimal vaccines available. Right. So you see there's the game regarding statistics anyway. Uh, so we, we have all that. And then you also have the, uh, the CDC, the ASIP, which is the American College of Immunization Practices, okay. they just voted unanimously 15 to zero mm-hmm. to put the COVID vaccine on the childhood vaccine schedule. I can't believe it. I, I just, all of them, not one dissent. Well, and with all the information that we have. Right. Paul Offit was, is normally, he's one of those, I think he's fallen down some rabbit holes here because he's like, what the actual hell? Because he was you know, prior to the pandemic, he and Z Dog MD were super rabidly pro vaccine mm-hmm. activists, mm-hmm. were hateful, quite frankly, towards the unvaccinated. Mm-hmm. And 
during this time, they both have been like, um, y'all, we need to be a little bit more careful of this COVID vaccine. Even they, because they were being very, they jumped on board pretty early on against this. And and he was adamantly, no, hell no, this should not be for the kids. No. And yet they still, I think, left him out because normally he's on their voting. So mm, they voted that. But the reason is, so for people to know, so in, in for emergency use authorization, you cannot sue the vaccine maker, right? This is why they call it EUA. Mm-hmm. It's a protection set forth by the government. But as the pandemic has come to a close and really more endemic than and like even epidemic or even pandemic stage, it's more endemic at this time. And the mortality is less than that of the flu. Just keep in mind. Um, so as we're nearing the end of that, the the liability for a vaccine maker, like they have, they cannot be sued under the EUA. As the EUA wears out, if it were to be approved and, and put out there without further protection, then they can be sued. Unless they put it on the childhood vaccine schedule. Because <laughs> in 1986, 1986, they created the National Vaccine uh, Childhood Injury Act that gave full immunity to vaccine makers for children. And the... That was because they were being sued left and right for neurologic Im- uh, injury due to the DTAP vaccine, the DTP vaccine. Mm-hmm. So then they created this law to protect them. And so then you had to go through the government court system to try to get a, an award. And even then they have a table of injuries. If you have one of these tables, you qualify for this and you have to still go through years of trying to get money back. But even if you die, it's just $250,000 you know, mm-hmm. for it. But even there's years and years of backlog for this, right? And then, so it's really hard to even win a case, especially if, like, they, for the autism cases, they blocked it all into 5,000 cases. They cherry-picked a couple cases, and they're like, nope, it's not related. And even then, the, the, the doctor on that case was Zimmerman. He was a physician who said, yes, indeed, it can. And they kicked him off as the expert witness. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just the level of, like, anyway. So they basically have full immunity to liability on the childhood schedule, which caused, for, for those who do not know, the, when my mom, my mom is 76, in her age group, there were up to 10 doses of vaccines total, and maybe only 50% of people even got vaccinated during that time, because it was not as widespread. At that point, the wealthier ones got the vaccines versus the poorer ones. And so as public health improved, then they got it available for all people, especially once Medicaid kind of grew, then they can make sure all Medicaid patients had the vaccine. So by the time I was a child, I was born in 73, we had 24 doses of vaccines available. Mm. And then after 1986 law, now there's 70 or more doses of vaccines for children up to age 18. So whereas I had 24 doses my whole childhood, now children have 24 doses by six months of age. It's... it. <sighs> It's so criminal to me. I mean, what it's what it's telling people is you're frail. Your body cannot heal itself. It cannot repair itself. You know, you need all of these drugs in order to stay healthy, and it's just not true, right? You so know, I, there's, I think there's enough information out there now showing that unvaccinated kids, in overall, are much healthier than vaccinated kids. Absolutely, Paul Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. He. Yep. Loses license any day this month. Um, he's to me, he's uh, he's a hero. Hero, yes, mm-hmm. yeah. Because and here's even what's going on with him is that he's also so he's been fighting the medical board for several years. And when he he was doing this study of the vaccinated versus unvaccinated versus the CDC schedule versus his schedule, for instance. So he had a more of a modified schedule. And then when he and even he was very pro vaccine as he went into this book, he created he wrote the book Vaccine Friendly Plan, which honestly, I don't think he would stick to at this point because there's he's learned Mm -hmm. even more putting together that book. So then he had a clinic of 13,000 patients. So he had quite a population of kids. And so he said, okay, so the medical board didn't like his book. So he started attacking him. And then he's like, okay, well, Let's look at the data. So he started creating, like, look at the data and started seeing a dramatic difference again between the CDC schedule, the vaccine-friendly plan versus the unvaccinated. And then the he got hot and heavy, like, pressure from the medical board. So he hired an external person to come, like, sort of verify the data, someone who was, like, unbiased. And that guy was like, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Like, 
dramatic. Like the, you know, the, the autism rate and the CDC schedule is about one in 69, which is pretty similar to the CDC rate. Then the vaccine friendly plan is like one in 415 or something like that. Mm. And then in the unvaccinated is one in 715. And so he's like, wait a second. And that, that held true for allergies, ear infections, um, eczema, autoimmune diseases, really across the board health-wise. So then he went ahead and he, they, they created a study. They decided to do a, a, like a prospective study, 18 year study, so they can really follow kids, Mm -hmm. which this, this is the right way to do it. The CDC was scheduled. CDC was supposed to do this long ago, a vaccinated versus unvaccinated study, but they wouldn't do it. (laughs) We were trained. That is considered unethical because I remember in residency they're like, oh, we could never do an unvaccinated study. It's unethical to withhold life-saving treatment, right? That was the reasoning that they taught us. Mm-hmm. So he he did this, and the day like after he posted, he I guess he published that study. The medical board got together for an emergency meeting, and then they uh, suspended his license. And so now he's at the point he's going to court like here this month. And he is, he said, not only is he having to, he's in debt from paying all the, the lawyer fees throughout the last four to five years, mm-hmm. but he's about to lose his license and he's going to have to pay back like, I think a half a million dollars or something like that to the medical board when he loses the case. And, and like, how's he ever going to come up with that? You know, it's like pediatricians don't make that much money. That's what people don't realize. And honestly, I wish I had the actual data for you on pediatricians who don't do vaccines versus those who do the Mm -hmm. Paul Thomas talks a little bit about that. They make over a million dollars in revenue just from vaccines alone. Wow. At his, at his clinic, at his clinic, right. Where he does modified plans and, you know, he has some voice vaccine. He just gives people true informed consent. He lets people choose. But so now this is what he's facing just for publishing a study on the vaccinated versus unvaccinated. This is what, but they know in the actual letter from the medical board, it's not, they don't say that they're like, Oh, they find like random things, you know, to say, to find, they they just find anything they can, but it's heartbreaking because here we are in this middle of this war and you have this, and this is part of that spiritual component of the, the, the dark versus the light, you know, Mm -hmm. good versus, evil in, in, in this society, because this is not, this is happening in the medical field, in the economic field. You look at, you know, the weapons, you know, industry, mm-hmm. you know, Ukraine. when you learn more about the Russia and Ukraine yes. and suddenly you're like, oh, wait a second. Oh, this is just a business to sell weapons. Like we, we had a big hand in this just to sell weapons. And they're, they're going on our, like our, our emotions and our sadness for the victims in Ukraine, which is horrible tragedy for them to be, you know, being attacked by Russia. That's really scary. But then the fact that we are actually really just making money off of it, like as, as our country. And when you go back into the history of the United States to see the level of corruption, the level of like, of how we, there's a, there's a book called um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman that goes into how our government has gone in and toppled governments in the name of uh, protecting a democracy. We have actually somehow invaded nearly all countries around the world uh, to try to support democracy, <laughs> a.k.a. have our our military complex and our pharma complex mm-hmm. support. Really, this is worldwide. And then you then you start seeing within here, I, everyone should watch The Real Anthony Fauci. Have you read that book or? <clears throat> yes, I read most of it. And I watched I watched the uh, the documentary, too. I, wow. Yes, I think everybody should watch that. Everyone needs to, if the book is really intense, it has um, a lot of information. And if you're at the beginning of this awakening, just be prepared to have to go to therapy to heal your heart afterwards. Uh, Because, and, you know, you know, when you go in to learn what Fauci did and you look at like, so for those of you who don't know, so remdesivir is what they use to treat COVID when people are inpatient and nurses lovingly called it run death is near instead of remdesivir because it was literally killing people's kidneys, causing heart, you know, really pulmonary edema, the the fluid in the lungs. And so remdesivir was actually causing most of the symptoms that people were dying from. And we were calling that out right away because the study that 
Fauci used to support doing it already showed it had a high mortality rate mm-hmm. and these same side effects. And we saw this right away. It was like right in the NIH. We're like, how is he possibly using this? And so because it was the EUA, this is why they had to squash all other treatments for uh, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, antivitamins. You cannot have an effective treatment and have an EUA medicine like remdesivir or Paxlovid. This is why they continue to suppress treatment. So when you find out that the remdesivir was basically killing the COVID patients, then you learn about the AZT. I was just going to, yeah. Epidemic. And because I remember that too, when the, when Mm -hmm. they started treating, treating HIV either, you're seeing all these people dying and it looks so scary. It was so dramatic. And they looked like they had cancer and Kaposi sarcoma. And then you're like, then to find that even though I, when I kept hearing about the HIV rabbit hole, I was like, oh, I'm just not ready to go down that one. And then when it was, um, when it was, you know, when I saw that and the thing, it just made so much more sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. learn about how he, in, you know, experimented on foster care kids. And it's oh, so disgusting. It, and, like, and, and puppies and, oh my God. Puppies and children, like even though they didn't have HIV and, and they would still like experiment on them. And, and if they couldn't tolerate, they put peg tubes in these children and yep. there are mass graves. This sounds like a, like a terror movie that literally happened in our own country. Of course, then, then you stumble upon like the years of experimentation on our own people down to the inner city children of uh, Baltimore, where they were testing the, the lead levels on these children, but not telling the parents. And they were just documenting the neurologic damage being done. This was actually supported by Johns Hopkins, right? Mm -hmm. Johns Hopkins was in on the event 201 uh, that was present prior to the pandemic anyway, preparing us for this pandemic readiness. I mean, it just is endless, the endless. And so you can get yourself like all worked up and like heartbroken but the reality is that this is what the beauty is, is that all this stuff is coming out and more and more people are talking about it. And, and it's, and people are going to, it, we're going to get to that critical mass that it takes to finally win our earth back on every level. I hope so. I really do. Cause it, I mean, it's, it's really hard when, as you start drilling down and really going down the rabbit hole and, seeing just truly how evil so many human beings are and you know to wrap your head around how can they how what are they thinking how how can they justify their actions well i think i think for so long we've been asleep for so long and this is what is mm-hmm. so funny to me whenever i see people they're still like doctors are still like on the other side like wondering what has happened to me, like how I lost my mind. And I'm like, it's right in front of your very eyes. They're not even hiding it. The World Economic Forum is not hiding their misdeeds. You know, Fauci is not even hiding it. You know, he's, he's, the narcissist is up there saying, I am science. You question (laughs) science, question Anthony Fauci. I'm like, I'm like, really? Like how the, the, the level of and that's when you go into that whole mass hypnosis, mass psychosis that people are like have mixed feelings about using those words because right. we are being manipulated. And but the fact that doctors are able to they just look the other way. And I and I'll tell you, I have colleagues, it hurts my feelings, honestly, that I've had to work on not taking it personally. So when I'm talking to my friends, like, but you gotta vaccinate for COVID. And I'm like, well, I'm happy to show you data if you want. And they don't want to see. They don't want to see because I'm now I'm just an anti-vaxxer to them mm-hmm. and what science I show them they turn the other way and and now I say these are good people like the people who are looking the other way I think are good people I think their heart just can't handle it because as soon as you start opening up because the reality is they can see me they can see me like I studied I've worked hard and yet they don't want to be around me because I'm involved in things they don't want to know about mm-hmm. <laughs> wake up to it, that they're going to have the same thing happen to them. And they're not ready to lose their family and their friends and their status as physicians and their comfortable salaries that because they make way more money than I do, you know, working I'm on my own. And um, I make a fraction of what I used to make happily. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. I have no problem with that. But you know, they don't want to lose their comfort. They don't want to lose their income and their 
friendships and their family. Like I literally like one person, she has a twin sister who's actually a pro vaccine activist. And, you know, she started getting, she's like, okay, okay. They're all family physicians. And she's like, okay, give me the data. And after years of, of knowing what I was doing, she finally said, okay, give me the data. I want to know. And then as I started sending her the data, then about six months later, she said, stop. My twin sister is about to disown me and I prefer to keep my twin sister. So even in that situation where we're all family physicians, she, mm-hmm. she actively said, I cannot lose my life as I know it. Mm-hmm. I prefer to stay ignorant. And so then when COVID came, she just dove in full force, like vaccinated, vaccinated kids and masking and all that. And <sighs> I, and I had to go through a year of spiritual work, you know, it was partially like, cause she's very close to me and I'm like, my heart was broken and I was angry and hurt. And I'm like, how can you do this? And then I, and then I was able to forgive her because like, she just wants to be, she's on her own life's journey. She just wants to be loved by her family and accepted. So we have to remember that these people are all as mad as I want to be at these doctors. They're all on their personal journeys too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Personally, like I'm seeing through this lens of medicine and the injustice and the crimes against humanity. And they're just trying to go up to work every day and survive their family. And who knows what marital issues they have or family issues they have. They're trying to survive, you know? So this is where I've tried to have compassion for everyone, even if it makes me freaking nuts at times. Uh, yeah. I, no, I hear you. I, I agree with you completely. And in, in, it, it, it's difficult because the people who refuse to, to see what's actually going on are, are helping to perpetuate it. And so I, you know, on the one hand, I have the compassion. And on the other hand, it's like, you're, but you're perpetuating this because you won't wake up, you won't look at the data, you won't look at what's going on around you, you, you know, it, and, and it's because it's not just about quote unquote COVID, as you know, you know, it's, it's just part of a, a much bigger picture that, uh, of control and depopulation and, you know, whatever all they're trying to do. But, um, I call them the psychopaths now. Uh, right. But it's interesting too, because as I learned about human design. Uh, oh, I love human design. Yes. It's pretty amazing. Uh, so I had never heard of it until this year. And for people, you know, listeners, like it's based upon your date of birth and location and those kind of things. It's, um, there's multiple things that are involved, but it, it helps you to figure out what is your, what was your constitution? What were you really meant to do versus what you were conditioned to be? Right. And, and so it's interesting. So I discovered I'm a manifester, which explains. Oh. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. I'm, I'm a, a generator. Man- <laughs> awesome. But it's, but you're not a typical generator at all because, <laughs> because they said most doctors are generators and that's why they, you know, most generate, most generators. There's, yours doesn't make sense to me at all because you're such a, you feel like a manifester to me, but the most generators, they're just there to get their job done. They just want to like do their work. They want to dig their head down. They care about doing their job well, but they want to get home and not question anything. They don't want to rock the boat. That's why you don't sound like a generator at all to me. But that explains too, if, if and they said most doctors, like 90%, 96% of doctors are actually generators, mm-hmm. which explains too why they're, they're not like trying to knock down doors to like change the system. They just want to make mm-hmm. their money go home, yeah. you know? So yeah. that's, that's an interesting thing. Still thinking about that. Um, you might need to redo yours. The generators are bad. We need generators. We need generators, uh, but they just tend to not rock the boat as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's um, I have a friend who's been uh, really diving deep into human design and she is going to be an awesome human design facilitator. She just, she gets it so well in her intuitive knowledge. And um, because I was, I used to do human design, the problem, and I was an astrologer before that and doing a lot of things, but I just, I can't retain a lot of the information. And it's really important that, you know, you've got all that information in your head so that you can you know, tie everything together and, and follow the threads and the, the channels in, uh, in human design. And, and she can do that. And, uh, she's, yeah, I'm really excited for her cause she's just like so into it. And she knows she has this inner knowing that this is what she's supposed to do now. And, uh, yeah, human oh. design is, it's, I used to call it astrology on steroids because it takes into account, uh, astrology. It takes into account the, the I Ching, 
the Kabbalah. Uh, there are just lots of different modalities and pulls it all together into a really powerful system. Especially when you combine it for your family, your mm-hmm. relationship. Because it was interesting. I was able to see two of my kids are manifestors and the third one's a manifestor generator. And But even within there, they're learning types. Mm-hmm. They're like understanding how to use discipline based upon their types mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get the most out of them and not create like sociopaths. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, you know how do they learn? How do they study? And it was like, wow. I was like, this is so such a beautiful gift. I feel like that. God has created this beautiful universe to, and this body of knowledge to help shift us. Because even like me, as I thought I had to be the energizer bunny and just work, work, work. And I was always chronically tired. I'm like, why am I so tired? I think there's something wrong with me. And they're like, nope, you just need more sleep. And it's funny that as soon as she told me I just needed more sleep, I'm like, really me? I can sleep and I won't be considered <laughs> lazy. You know, you always had that societal thing. Like if you sleep, if you nap too much, you're lazy. Well, I slept for like a week after she gave me permission to sleep. I'm like, oh, this is great. Uh, uh, so yeah, well, that's, I think that's one of the things human design does is it gives you permission to be who you truly are. And I'm amazed you've got so many manifestors in your family because 70% of the population are generators. Right. I can't, I hear all kinds of variety of that, but I've heard from four to nine percent are manifestors. But yeah, so my ex-husband was a manifestor. My two older kids manifestor. Yeah, the manifestor generator. So you can imagine that house full of chaos and energy is one heck of a <laughs> of a of a space to be in mm-hmm. because it, it's definitely a lot of energy in there. A lot of people like trying to make their way. So that could be kind of chaotic too. Yeah, that yeah. That was helpful. Like okay. This is why we're a little bit crazy in our house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always I, I've always admired the uh, the manifesting generators because if they if they can use that that type correctly, because it can be difficult, but if they can really work within that type and and get the most out of it, they just you know they they've got it made. They really do. Well, that is definitely my manifestor generator is my most very balanced even kid. So it's, it's just a blessing to be able to like. Like, ah, she's actually my cool, calm and collected kid. The other ones are like, they're going to do their own thing no matter what I do. (laughs) 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 That was good stuff. But, you know, it's all these lessons I've learned. And and thankful, thankful for COVID, you know, too. This is where I hope we can shift ourselves because I know our time is, you know, wrapping up sometime soon. But, you know, I just hope that we can look at this last two to three years. and, And I know you and I have spoken to this before. Of what can we learn from this and how right. can we sh- the collective, the conscious collective? And, you know, the it was necessary to have this level of corruption and pain and like loss of freedom. And because people just rolled over like, OK, take my freedom for my safety. But <laughs> they realized over time, like, oh, wait, am I really I'm not more safe than I was. Wait, I, you know, now I can't talk to my family or I'm bad or, you know, they they divided us down to the core of our family units and to and that and that's a very you know wise thing to do if you want to take control of a people and destroy you know the fabric of a society is to yes. attack the family unit right and mm-hmm. to fa- and, and to attack people's churches i mean they closed down churches and and they they committed so many different crimes against the constitution and then then over time people once they got past the fear they're like okay so they're everyone like all levels i mean i don't care which political party you are yeah how rich or poor you are you know and there now we still have our fundamental differences you know pro-choice pro-life you know all those people everyone's going to fight over that kind of stuff but but still i i think that people like for this election season it's going to shift how they would have ever voted before they're like oh i don't want to vote that way but you know now i've got to like really think Right now, the most pressing issue is tyranny. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, absolutely. And, and which really, the problem is both sides, re- Republican or Democrat, they're all guilty of the same level of corruption. They're just yes. two weeks to the same bird. Right. But it, but it creates this kind of crisis of who's going to lead us out of this. And then the reality is that we know our, our political system is so stinking corrupt that we now we're taking matters in our own hands. And so it's beautiful. The things I'm seeing across the country that people are, are creating new educational systems, the people mm-hmm. and the people are creating new farming practices and, and how can they 
exchange food. The people are creating new medical systems. Like I'm not the only one doing this. Like there are people across the country trying to create the new, a, a new way to get medical care and, you know, and experiencing like really delving into the energy frequency medicine that you're getting into. That's just, you know, that's the future of medicine is energy and frequency medicine. I mean, for sure. Like mm-hmm. functional medicine is the future of physical medicine, but energy frequency medicine and plant medicine Spiritual medicine is like the future of all medicine. And so it's beautiful seeing that flourishing everywhere. And then it makes you think back in the 1960s when, you know, all the the drug culture and the rock and roll culture were there and it's squashed and, you know, we got to stigmatize them. Really, you know, how much of that was just social engineering too? Because they're like, oh no, people are starting to think of their own. So now we've got to squash them. So the same revolution is kind of happening across the country of people like, no, I'm going to do plant medicine or no, I'm going to do the spiritual medicine and they're going to do everything they can to control it. But then we can see and now hopefully people can learn from history and be like, no, we can't let this them squish this. This is love that we're spreading. This is collaboration and truth that we're trying to spread. And let's be on each other's side for that. Right. Even if you're not on each other's side for, you know, for many other political things to divide us, mm-hmm. what can we before we could be for something. So in this year, I was like, I realized I was in this whole, like, I felt like I was in limbo. So you have like the fear and corruption, you know, part is like, was our hell on earth. And then I was in limbo trying to save people from that corruption and that fear. And I had one foot in, which like kept me worked up. And now I'm like, no, we got to be way showers. We got to be the light. You know, God put us here to be the light. And so how can I shift from that fight to being the light. So then as people are waking up, we provide a space for them to go. Mm-hmm. And this is where we need to, where we've, you and you've been on this road for a long time. It's like, what, what can you create? So here you have this beautiful show that you're, this is a piece of your effort to help improve the collective consciousness uh, to mm-hmm. bring people along and your guide, you're a way shower, right? So God put it, way showers here to help for this time in history that we were born for this very time. And this is why I'm so excited about it. You know, it's the mm-hmm. best the hope that we have is that we are, we are going to get to that critical point that just falls into love and collaboration like the Renaissance after the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And it, I do think it's, it's going to be darker before it gets better, yes. um, but we just have to hang in there, you know, because Really, it this decades, probably centuries, this has been in in process, right? It th- this this didn't just start. Um, everybody's been, uh, what's the word I want? You know, they've been nudged to be able to accept all of this, especially with TV and and mass marketing and advertising and you know, it's like all of this gets drummed into the population and and it. Uh, kind of surreptitiously grooms them for whatever they want us to to believe and however they want us to be. And I think that's why all of this has been accepted so so readily, you know, and why some of us didn't accept it and others did, I still don't know. But I agree. It's it's I'm feeling hopeful for the future, still kind of nervous about some things, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and still praying even from a medical board thing you know just that I'm sending them I'm sorry please forgive me thank you mm-hmm. I love you prayer mm-hmm. and and just knowing that whatever happens going to be for the higher good and we just are working on work I'm so thankful for you Janine for you know bringing me on and um, giving me the opportunity to share with people what's happening on this side that is hard to find in the media right. uh, you're not going to get that on the evening news about persecution of providers. You just hear about the crazy providers given horse pace. <laughs> I know. I know. It's it and it's and it's and it's by design, right? So more people have to have the heart and the guts to stand up because as more and more stand up, it's it's gonna be easier for everyone. Right. Um but it's it's hard to be the way shower. It's hard to be the you know, in, in the, the first line of defense, right. That's moving forward and speaking up, you know, all of you are the ones that are taking the hits, um, with, with your licenses and, you know, your, um, certificate, you know, whatever else it's, um, 
you know, it's hard. And I, I mean, a lot of a lot of the doctors who are speaking up are retired. So, you know, they're they're pretty much set. But a lot of you aren't, you know, a lot of you still have to have to make a living and still support your families. And that makes it to me even more amazing that you are willing to stand in your truth. And it also makes me really honor you for doing that. Oh, thanks. I just figured, you know, I'm fighting so my kids don't have to. Yep. Yep. You know, this is not for me at this point. Like as much as I need to provide for my kids, I mean that that is kind of a nervous thought about what would I do, but that's the surrender and trusting that I'll be taken care of. But really we we've got to like this isn't about us at this point. This is our kids and our grandkids. For them to be able to go freely to school, have good health and be able to choose how they have health not being forced upon medical procedures to tell them you must be, you must take these uh, procedures to be healthy. Like it just, it's a horrifying thought that that's going to be their future, that they have no choice. So we have to, I have to, this is from, this is from my kids. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and also, you know, everybody needs to look at, you know, what, what can I do? Like I take C60 every day. Um, More and more I'm, I'm learning how important that is for getting rid of heavy metals and toxins out of the body and, and maybe even um, the graphene oxide that's that's in the jabs and you know just doing whatever we can to stay healthy so that we can do what what we're here to do right Right. light too is another binding detox agent so there's and now there's actually a cool study about chelation therapy uh Mm -hmm. helping with oh that's a lot more expensive and invasive but it's nice to be able to do c60 and zeolite that's way cheaper and easier (laughs) so right the the edta is that what you're talking about Yes, EDTA. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, I was thinking of doing a round of that just just to see if it made a difference, because especially as we were talking before, I know you have to get going, but about the myelin sheath and the EMFs and the graphene oxide and the parasites and stuff uh, affecting the nerves, because I have restless legs. And I was wondering, I thought, I wonder if that would make a difference with the restless legs, because it seems to be getting worse. And so Isn't I was... Every- I have so many patients who are have worsening restless legs. And now that you say that, I, I can't oh, figure really? it out. Like I've, yeah, it's kind of interesting. I wonder what that is because it's super strange. Like it's now as older people, like I would say my older patients, fifties, sixties, you know, I'm 49. So I'm saying older, but you know, <laughs> and older, you know, it seems to be who I'm seeing. They're like, God, my restless legs are just terrible, which does make you wonder about the, the 5g or or the graphene, the the spike protein shedding. I don't even know what it is, but there's definitely a spike in the restless leg syndrome. Well, that's interesting that I brought that up because I was telling you that I've been listening to the Invisible Rainbow about how uh, the history kind of electricity of electricity and how uh, it's it's related to the pandemics and how it's how it's affecting people's health, and that's what got me thinking that I should try a round of chelation and see what happens. So I will volunteer to be the guinea pig and I will let you know. Because it really it, it really is getting worse. Some nights I'm just crying I, because even the, the tramadol doesn't seem to do it. And I'm just like bouncing around and aching and, and oh, it's just awful. Hmm. Very interesting. I, I hope that you find the solution to that and then it might help me with my patients, but it does make me wonder about everything in the environment right now that's contributing. It mm-hmm. seems yeah, you know, I hope you get better. Hope you find your solution. <laughs> well, just I, I'm glad I brought it up because now that with what you've said, I'm definitely gonna try it. Because, right. you know, I I don't know. I thought I was the only one, right? And uh, obviously I'm not. So be interesting yeah. to see if your listeners uh, give feedback on that as well. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, in fact, I was going to call today. I, I, there's a functional medicine doctor here and I think he does that. And so I was going to call and see if I could, if I could, do, if I could get an appointment for it. So, well, that cements that, doesn't it? I guess I'm going to do that because I was sort of on the edge, you know, sort of like, oh, should I, shouldn't I? But um, yeah, definitely. Uh, and I recommend the invisible rainbow to anyone. It took me a while to get into it, but I am learning so much. In fact, I'm learning so much that I'm thinking of getting, because I'm listening to it, I'm thinking of either getting the Kindle or getting the hard copy because I want to highlight a a bunch of stuff um, that I want to remember. 
It's and hard to I, do that when you're listening. <laughs> right? I know. I know. So thank you, Janine, for having me on. Oh, and thank you. As usual, it's always so much fun learning from you, too. Well, yeah, I love our conversations and we'll, you know, we'll give it a two or three months and we'll do it again and see where we're at. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And once again, a sincere thank you to Dr. Cammie Benton for standing up and speaking truth. The podcast website is realjanine.com and Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. Please consider subscribing through your favorite podcast provider and please share this conversation with your family and friends. If you like to listen on BitChute or Rumble, you can do that there. And, um, you know, if you don't mind, give me a Rumble if you're on Rumble. Please share this important conversation with your family and friends. And as always, thank you so much for listening. This has been so much fun for me and I've learned a lot. So I hope you have too. Take care. And... Mm-hmm.